Malaria is a disease caused by um, a parasite. Um, uh, and there are different species of this parasite, um, the, but the most common one and the most um, uh, one that's responsible for malaria is a species we call Plasmodium falciparum. So it's a disease uh, in which when the symptoms manifest itself, um, it's really, really characterized by fevers and vomiting, etc., etc. But it is really caused by a parasite uh, that infects the, the uh, first of all, the liver and then the red blood cells, which begin to rupture. And, and that's when we see the clinical symptoms of the disease. And then, doctor, how does one contract it? Malaria often is contracted through the bite of um, a female um, mosquito we call the Anopheles mosquitoes. So during a blood meal, so, so these parasites, uh, in order to, to survive and, and, and replicate and, and have their own children, etc., etc., so the normal blood meal uh, involves uh, the Anopheles mosquito feeding on a human host. And during the bite of, 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 by the mosquito, uh, then it injects um, um, uh, parasites uh, from the mosquito, which then um, travel to the liver. Uh, the human liver is the first port of call. So we call them sporozoids, but they're just parasites that get, invade the liver. And then in the liver, um, there are no symptoms uh, when it's in the liver stage. But it's from there that then they multiply into other forms uh, of, of the same parasite in the body. And then they begin to attack the, the red blood cells uh, of the human host. And when they begin to attack the red blood cells, they, they go through uh, uh, what we call asexual reproduction. So they begin to, to multiply within the, the human host uh, by basically ingesting uh, the hemoglobin from the, the human host, which they use as a source of uh, building blocks to, in order to, uh, you know, to expand the population of the parasites. And so, as I mentioned earlier, during the, the invasion of the, the, the red blood cells, that is when the clinical symptoms of malaria present themselves. At the liver stage, there are no symptoms. Uh, they only become evident at the, the blood stage. Um, and that is actually how malaria is contracted. Um, and then, of course, if I can add uh, another point, is that so if you focus on the what we call the, the life cycle of, of the infection, so it starts with the mosquito vector, which is the female Anopheles mosquito, which then bites uh, the human host, and then the parasites uh, travel to the liver as the first protocol in the human host. And then that is what we call the, the, um, the liver stage. So from the mosquito stage, which is the vector, to the liver stage in the host, and then from the liver stage, then we have what we call the blood stage. Uh, this is the, the stage where the clinical symptoms uh, manifest themselves. There's an, another final stage that is really important, um, which is when... Um, when, once the parasite finishes the so-called um, uh, asexual reproduction where they multiply by making use of the, 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 the human host uh, um, uh, hemoglobin uh, to break it down and then get the nutrients, the nutrients that they need to be able to, uh, to feed on and multiply, There's a, then the parasites are converted to a form 
uh, we call them gametocytes, but in very simple layman's language, these are simply transmissible forms of the parasite, where during the next blood meal, uh, when a person who's got malaria is then bitten by another mosquito, uh, those are the parasites which then are fed back into the mosquito to continue then the spread of malaria uh, when, you know, if I, have, if I have malaria, I get bitten by a mosquito, it will take my malaria parasites and then go and uh, infect another person, and so on and so forth. And then what sort of symptoms can a person look, uh, look for? If the most malaria? Common, yes, the, the most common symptoms of malaria at the blood stage uh, tend to be, for example, especially uh, very high temperatures, fevers, uh, fevers, vomiting, and loss of appetite are some of the very common um, um, uh, symptoms. And of course, with that, um, there's also general malaise, general weakness, somebody feeling very, very weak, um, and they don't have um, um, uh, appetite, um, they, they, they begin to vomit, um, they have sometimes night sweats, very high temperatures. And it can be very fatal if it's not treated uh, very quickly. You know, malaria kills very, very rapidly. Um, and, of course, that's why, you know, children, uh, infants and, and children under the age of, the, of five are the most vulnerable um, because it's so, so um, rapid in when, if it's not treated with um, medicines. And then can you tell me how can it be treated? So... When we look at um, malaria control, um, um, so first of all, uh, when somebody presents him or herself with the clinical symptoms of malaria, uh, and of course the doctor will suspect that these symptoms um, uh, are malaria symptoms, and especially with an explanation that the person had been to a malaria area. Um, so the, the treatment, and I'll talk about the prevention in a second, but the treatment itself is, of course, there um um, a number of uh, uh, some drugs, some medicines that are available uh, to treat uh, malaria. But the original drugs developed, for example, uh, chloroquine, uh, the, the parasite has developed um, mechanisms where it's able to resist some of these drugs. So depending on the, the strain and type of malaria that has given the infection, um, and, and depending on the region uh, where somebody gets that malaria. So there are a number of drugs that are available uh, on the market. So in some areas, uh, people can use chloroquine, but the most common one uh, is what we call the artemisinin combination therapy. And I'll explain what those things are. So artemisinin is, 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 is a drug that came from, from a plant, a Chinese plant a long time ago. So... People, you know, scientifically, we've managed to develop um, uh, synthetic derivatives of this natural uh, substance. So this one um, works very, very quickly in terms of very rapidly killing the parasites and lowering the, um, the infection level very quickly. But one of the reasons why it's used in combination with other drugs, uh, there are basically two reasons. So the one reason is that if you use a single drug to deal with malaria, it's much easier for the parasite to develop resistance to a single drug. 
So the reason why we have to use drugs in combination, one of them is that it's a lot more difficult for the parasites to develop resistance to more than one drug, especially if those drugs in the combination act differently in the way they kill the parasites. So we call it really, if the mechanism of action is different, so you are hitting the parasite at different stages of its life cycle or in a different way, then it's not easy for the parasite to develop resistance easily. The second reason why these so-called artemisinins are combined with other drugs um, is because the artemisinins, although they very rapidly kill the malaria parasites and bring down the, the levels of the parasite in the blood, unfortunately, the body eliminates them very, very quickly. They don't survive very long in the human body. So they get metabolized, and then, of course, once they are metabolized, they get uh, removed from the body, which means uh, the, the dosage, um, is they don't stay very long uh, in the body. So they are combined with another drug which, has, which stays in the body for much longer. And therefore, when the artemisinins or one of the artemisinin derivatives uh, very quickly kills the parasites, any remaining parasites can then be mopped up by the other partner drug, which stays in the body for much longer. So that is basically the, our last line of defense against parasites that are resistant because most of the conventional drugs on the market, uh, for example, chloroquine, in some parts of the world, the resistance that the, the, the parasite has developed has actually rendered um, a number of drugs, including chloroquine, resistant, uh, I mean, useless, uh, not being effective on those strains of the parasites which have become resistant. So our last line of defense are the... SCTs, or artemisinin combination therapy, which is a combination of an artemisinin derivative, artemisa, etc., uh, etc., et with other long-acting drugs, which are then deployed in different parts of uh, the world, in Asia, in Africa, uh, and also in Africa, there can be different regions of Africa where uh, different combinations of artemisinin are used, depending on the types of parasites and the parasite strength you find in those parts of the world. Okay, um, Professor, now um, can you tell me a bit about your work in terms of like your research? Um, where, where are we now in terms of malaria? Are we trying to find one, one sort, of, like, sort of drug that's going to treat everything? Like, what are you doing in, in terms of your center, your malaria center? Yeah, thank you very much. So um, I will describe very briefly uh, the work that we are doing uh, in our uh, University of Cape Town Drug Discovery and Development Center, also known as H3D. We have a portfolio of malaria projects with different partners, but I'm going to just concentrate on one partnership uh, just to give an example of what we're doing, but also to give an example of, of a program that has made uh, enormous progress in over the last uh, four or five years, uh, which is really bringing hope and inspiration to the global community in terms of uh, new medicines for malaria. But let me start by simply saying that the, what, the, what we are looking for in terms of the malaria community, in terms of what we want to see in the next generation of medicines for malaria, 
Obviously, the first thing we want to do is make sure that any new medicine for malaria that is discovered and developed is able to be effective on strains of the parasites which are resistant to conventional medications. In other words, we need to find new medicines that are able to work against all strains of malaria parasites, including those which are resistant to non-drugs. So that's the first thing that's obvious, is that we need to address the question of resistance through new medicines. The next thing that we are looking for in new medicines for malaria, and this is because of the malaria elimination or eradication agenda that is being driven from different perspectives. But from a medicine perspective, we are looking to come up with medicines that can kill the malaria parasite at all the life cycle stages. And I will remind you what those stages are very, very briefly. So I mentioned the first port of call for the parasite when a female anopheles mosquito bites a human host is the liver. But there are no symptoms at the liver. So we're looking for new medicines that can kill the parasite while in the liver, at the liver stage. Because then if we do that, there is no chance for the parasites to then attack the red blood cells and go into the red blood cells. So we can stop them at the liver stage. So that's one property we're looking for in terms of new medicines. So medicines that can kill the parasite at the liver stage and therefore potentially offer protection uh, from getting the infection uh, by preventing infection of the red blood cells. And of course, the other property that we're looking for is also, of course, being able to kill parasites at the blood stage. In other words, when we miss, uh, when people are not taking drugs for prevention, um, they only take them when the infection manifests itself through clinical symptoms. Obviously, we're looking for medicines that can also kill the parasites in the blood, in the red blood cells, at the, at the blood stage, including those strains which are resistant to conventional drugs. The third aspect of how new medicines are going to contribute to malaria elimination and or eradication is to find medicines that kill the transmissible forms of the parasites. So those parasites which are then taken up by the mosquito and then they go through some development within the mosquito and then the, the mosquito can then bite another person. So in summary, uh, we're looking for new medicines that can actually kill the parasite at the liver stage and therefore potentially offer protection, kill the parasite in the blood, uh, meaning that we can control the clinical symptoms and cure the person of malaria, and then looking for medicines that can block transmission. So it's prevention, control, and um, preventing um, transmission. In terms of our program that we're doing here, the the most advanced malaria program we've had uh, in our drug discovery center at UCT uh, in H3D is, has been in partnership with the Medicines for Malaria Venture, who are based in Geneva, Switzerland. They are a private-public partnership. And this collaboration with um, 
uh, MMV, which is the abbreviations for Medicines for Malaria Venture, and other international partners. Um, this is a collaboration that has focused on looking for new drugs, uh, discovering new drugs that impact this parasite at all the life cycle stages that offer not just malaria control, but also contribute to malaria eradication by killing the parasite at different stages, including blocking transmission. So the summary of this program, I'll give you an example of the summary of the program. This, this is actually a drug that was first announced in August of 2012. Um, at that stage, uh, this is a drug, uh, it was in the, in the news for a long time. Uh, but at that stage when it was announced in 2012, it was simply a preclinical development candidate. In other words, we had identified it in 2012 as a compound that was both efficacious on all strains of the malaria parasite that we could find, including those that are resistant, but also we found it to be effective in terms of blocking uh, transmission, uh, killing those transmissible forms of the parasite, and also uh, working also at the liver stage, killing the parasites at the liver stage. So that was in 2012 when this drug was first announced as a preclinical development uh, candidate. What then has happened uh, since then is that it went through preclinical development, and I don't want to bother you with the details of that, and eventually um, it went through successfully, and then it was then entered phase one human trials. And those human trials were actually conducted uh, here at the University of Cape Town by Professor Karen Barnes uh, and her team at, at the hospital, at Krutzker Hospital here at UCT. So that phase one um, um, finished uh, about uh, 2015, and, and this year uh, we are now making with our partners, MMV, making preparations for this uh, drug to go into phase two human studies, uh, which, of course, uh, is, is progress. But we have a long way to go. Um, there's no guarantee that this drug will be successful throughout the, the, the clinical, human clinical studies. But so far, so good. But there's a long way to go. Uh, doctor, um, you're an expert in, in this field, so you're obviously um, keeping tabs on journals and, you know, um, research that's being um, peer-reviewed and all of that. And um, what is the latest in terms of malaria as we sit today, I think it's on the, 20, on the 24th of April 2017, what is the latest on a new discover, a new, what's the progress in terms of malaria today? Yeah, so in terms of progress uh, for malaria today on the 24th of, 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 of April 2017 is that, first of all, we have um, uh, a very, very global promising pipeline of potential new medicine for malaria venture. And this is really thanks to the, um, the enormous effort led by um, MMV to really coordinate global discovery efforts, um, both not just including uh, academic institutions like ourselves at UCT, but also bringing together partners from the private sector and also including the pharmaceutical industry, working together to build 
the largest ever portfolio of new medicines for malaria, which are actually at different stages of development. And this is a very important message because um, when a drug is successfully discovered and developed and given to patients, we must always, always be aware that it's only a matter of time before the parasites develop resistance to a particular medication or even a combination. Uh, that is also quite possible. So we have to make sure that the pipeline is continuously being replenished so that we keep ahead of the parasite. We are ahead of the game. Um, and so to answer your question, first of all, we see um, a very healthy, promising pipeline of potential new medicines, which uh, a number of them actually already in advanced uh, stages of clinical development, which offer hope because there are medicines which are working by different mechanisms. So the parasite has not been exposed previously to these drugs, and therefore uh, it's not going to be easy for the parasite to just develop resistance uh, overnight. Um, so that's one thing that we've seen today uh, on the 24th of April. But the second thing to also, I think, appreciate, and I think it is thanks to the uh, global efforts from governments and from science, um, 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 more importantly, is that we've been able to, to have the number of malaria deaths from a million people dying of malaria just uh, a few years ago to now about half a million. That is a significant um, um, uh, progress, and that is thanks to a number of interventions, uh, including improving access to, to new medicines for malaria, but also um, looking at how effectively um, and, and uh, innovatively we can use existing medicines. So I think that is a thing that I can give you as a message, that we're looking at now a promising pipeline of new medicines for malaria. It's a long way to go, but it's promising to see such a, um, a portfolio that has never been seen before in human history uh, in terms of drugs right from the early phase of discovery through to uh, clinical trials and a pipeline that's moving across uh, in the global community. And then, as I said earlier, we see the reduction in the number of deaths uh, from malaria uh, from a million to about half a million. In terms of resistance, is resistance a big problem or is it just isolated? It's not yet a big problem. Resistance, unfortunately, is a major, major, major problem. And I will give you just uh, uh, two quick points. So first of all, it is widespread uh, all across the globe. And as I mentioned earlier, our last line of defense against resistant malaria parasites are these, this drug regimen that is based on the artemisinin combination therapy. And we are already beginning to hear reports on the Thai-Cambodia border for a few years now of parasites that appear to be showing signs of developing resistance to this combination. And I can tell you, if, we, if this drug regimen succumbs to resistance completely, then I think we are in big trouble. Um, and that is why there's such urgency in trying to find new medicines that are able to circumvent drug resistance. So to answer your question, this is quite widespread. And you may be wondering, and the listeners may be wondering, why is this such a, a problem uh, of this magnitude? Well, I think there are two 
three reasons I can give you. Firstly, resistance is an inevitable consequence of taking medications. It is not just for malaria. It's for cancer. It's for HIV AIDS. It's for TB. And the reason is very simple. It is we talk about uh, human rights uh, as human beings, but at, on a scientific level, if you consider things that make us sick, uh, these are organisms, and we are also organisms. So this is about organism rights. They want to live. We want to live. So it is survival of the fittest. So. As we try to eliminate them, as we try to cure them, they will develop mechanisms of resisting that onslaught that we're putting on them through our drugs or our vaccines. So it is inevitable that it's only a matter of time that resistance is going to emerge either because the organism is going to adapt to what we're trying to do. But the other reason that we have resistance um, uh, is also non-compliance. Why I say non-compliance, it is also speaks to why, when I mentioned what we are looking for in new medicines for malaria, yes, we are looking for medicines that can offer protection because they kill the liver stage, can relieve clinical symptoms because they kill the parasite at the blood stage, and that they can also offer uh, 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 you know, block transmission. Uh, because they kill the transmissible forms of, of the parasite. But what also remains a priority is developing a single-dose cure. Why is a single-dose cure important? Because it will improve patient compliance. And one of the reasons why resistance happens is that people do not comply with instructions on how they should take medication. So, for example, if a doctor says, take this medication three times a day for five days. People will stop taking medications when they feel okay after one day or two days. That is encouraging resistance. Okay, so poor patient compliance is the reason also why resistance happens. And perhaps the final reason, I can give you many reasons, but another one is, um, you know, substandard fake um, medicines that um, sometimes you see on the black market where people are basically selling fake drugs that contain nothing um, uh, and then they sell them to people who then take them think, believing that they are taking medicines but in fact they are counterfeit uh, medications they are not the real thing so yes yeah, so, so in a nutshell this is why resistance is such a problem it's widespread it's a natural consequence of the constant battle that human beings as organisms are involved in with other organisms that make us sick, whether it is HIV virus or malaria parasites or the TB bacteria, it's a constant fight. But also our behaviors as human beings doesn't help uh, uh, contain resistance. So when we don't comply, we don't finish medications, uh, then of course we are increasing resistance. Or if you allow criminals to be selling counterfeit drugs, that is also fueling resistance.